0: And welcome back to another episode of the Lunatics Radio Hour podcast. My name is Abby Brinker. I am here with Alan Kudan. Hello. The Wolf King himself.
1: You're, you're too kind.
0: <laughs> and today we are talking about werewolves.
1: Werewolves? Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. I already knew that.
0: You knew. Of course you knew. And this is a very special episode. So this is the second installment of our monster series this month. And
1: What was the first?
0: frankenstein's monster oh that's a good one mm-hmm. and there'll be one more
1: do can are we gonna say what it is
0: i don't know what do you think no okay done <laughs> we won't say what it is maybe you could guess but we're not going to say what it is you'll have to come back next week and listen to that
1: it's the Loch Ness monster
0: no it's not
1: like creatures
0: <laughs> no are all your guesses aquatic i mean you know so you're just fake guessing yeah yeah okay anyway before we get into talking about werewolves and the rich dense history that goes along with it
1: also known as lycanthropes mm
0: -hmm, which will define moments in the future for you again Mm -hmm. but yeah so we have a few announcements should we make them we do yeah like what okay so the first thing is just a reminder to everybody in the u.s to vote it's very important and it is everybody's responsibility to take part in the social change that we need to make as a country.
1: We already voted.
0: We did. Yeah, we already voted. There's lots of ways you can vote early. If you don't feel safe with uh, COVID kind of going in to your polling site, you can go early to places. You can send in a mail-in ballot. But if you do that, please give it extra, extra, extra time. Uh, and you can actually, I think, track if it's been delivered or not, which is something... You really? something i want to look into so don't take my word for it it probably depends on the state but something i'm looking Mm. into for new york by this time it's probably past voter registration dates in most states so hopefully you're all registered but please please Mm -hmm. if you're registered go out and vote it's really really important that's all i have to say about that
1: okay is there another announcement
0: The second thing isn't really an announcement, but more of a friendly reminder that the book that I wrote is still available.
1: It's called Spooky Stories.
0: No, it's called Horror Stories. Horror Stories. (laughs) Wow. And it is available on Amazon in a Kindle and paperback version. Also, the Halloween magazine is available it's an autumn magazine but it's monster themed to go along with our monster episodes this month and so you can find that on our etsy page which i'm sure will also be linked in the description of this podcast is it spooky yeah so our magazine comes out a few times a year it's a really cool collaboration between a lot of different writers and artists and it's always filled with tons of really cool different pieces and so this one is monster themed i would say it's extra spooky we definitely tried to make the the one that comes out around halloween extra spooky
1: that's really great everyone should get it
0: okay so enough of that shall we talk about werewolves
1: i would you know what what before we talk about werewolves
0: yes should we talk about your obsession with wolves no oh okay
1: i have a surprise for you
0: you for me yeah for you oh i'm nervous
1: it's really good okay it might be good i don't know okay i think but i think you're gonna like it okay i've been hanging on to this for a very long time oh really a very very long time
0: in anticipation of this episode
1: in yes i knew that someday we were going to do this episode Uh uh-huh i just had a sneaking suspicion yeah ever since you started choosing episodes based on like creatures Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so you need to look under your chair
0: oh my god this makes me so nervous that there's something that's been here for so long okay
1: it's not peach fuzz Keep your eyes closed. Put put all your crap back on.
0: Okay, so I very gracefully retrieved from under my chair Werewolf Cabernet, a red wine.
1: Look where it's made.
0: Product of Transylvania. Cool. Where did you find this? I love the artwork.
1: Uh, I found it in this weird little obscure wine shop a long time ago, and I've been holding it for this very day.
0: Oh, wow. Well, shall we pause and get glasses? Do you want to have some now? Let's do it. Okay. Okay. So now we have glasses and we have poured this wine.
1: Yeah. So let's taste the finest of Transylvania.
0: Okay. Here we go. Hmm. It's good. It tastes like a good cab to me. It's a little sweet maybe, but. Tastes like wine. Yeah. And the, actually, so I'm looking at the bottle a little bit and it's cool. It's got these like raised bubbles on top of the werewolf who's like growling at you and like in front of a full moon. And
1: read, read the back.
0: Oh, okay. Wine of Romania. Werewolves are easy to spot as they have several common characteristics red hair, eyebrows that join in the middle, guilty, index and middle fingers that are the same length, love of rare raw meat, or love of rare or raw meat, hairs on the palms of the hands, and hair on the inside of the skin, a tough one to check. For a howling good time, even without a full moon, This wine may put hair on your palms. That's cute. There you go. Yeah. So check out that wine if you're interested. Isn't that fun? Werewolf wine.
1: Yeah, werewolf wine.
0: (laughs) And actually, a lot of those things are going to come into play as we talk today. Oh. Oh, yeah. So shall we dive right in? Let's do it. Okay. So now that we have our wine, we're all liquored up, let's get into werewolf history.
1: Speak for yourself. What? Sober October. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right.
0: Look at over at Alan who has two drinks next to him right now. So brocked over.
1: Excuse me. Okay. Feel betrayed.
0: <laughs> so unlike um our last episode on Frankenstein's monster, right? Werewolves are deeply rooted in folklore and legends. Mm-hmm. So Frankenstein was just sort of this this figure that came out of Mary Shelley's imagination. Mm-hmm. But the next two episodes in this monster series are much more rooted in history. And so we're going to go way, way back.
1: Right. But we won't say what the next one is.
0: Right. That one. Yeah. You'll have to guess. Mm -hmm. Okay. So to cite my sources, of course, Wikipedia, also a history channel special called In Search of History, Werewolves, and a video from the History Guy on YouTube.
1: I don't like all this citing sources business.
0: I think it's important. It feels I, like I'm doing a paper when I put this stuff together, and it feels improper to not cite my sources. You know?
1: I just feel that it makes things a lot harder just to make up.
0: Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm trying to provide factual information as much as possible.
1: About werewolves.
0: Yeah, I mean, about the history <laughs> of the legend of werewolves. Yes. Yes, I am. All right. Good, that's important. Jeez. All right. So, we, meaning humanity, oh. have always had a deep rooted fascination with the things that scare us most. Right? Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Looking back throughout history, our legends and folklore are riddled with dark creatures and monsters, though one stands out as being one of the most ancient monsters, but also still relevant in pop culture today. And that is the werewolf. The werewolf. <laughs> Stories of werewolves go back as far as recorded word, and they span countries and territories across the globe. In ancient times, it was thought that humans could shapeshift into animals. Cave paintings reveal half-man, half-stag creatures.
1: Half-man, half-stag?
0: Yeah, in cave paintings.
1: What what part is the stag? Because that sounds like a centaur.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't have a visual representation. I'm not sure. Maybe both.
1: I mean, if they have, like, the head of a stag, then yeah.
0: But the point is that shape-shifting has been part of, like,
1: you oh, know, oh, legend oh, since absolutely. the beginning of humanity. Got all those wargs.
0: Yeah, yeah. What's a warg? A warg? Yeah.
1: So, a warg. Uh-huh. Is someone that would slip their skin into an animal. So you wouldn't necessarily transform Mm -hmm. much in the way that a druid would. Mm -hmm. A warg would just project their consciousness into a beast.
0: Oh, okay. That's cool. All right. It's important to get into the heart of these legends right from the beginning here. There has always been a struggle between society and primitive instincts, if you will. A need to suppress those basic urges within us. There are a lot of correlations between this juxtaposition and stories of shape-shifting and werewolves. This idea of moving between our animal and human sides and balancing the two, right? So a lot of what we're going to talk about today is, is kind of rooted in this need to express your primal instincts, right? To eat meat, to be barbaric, to like not fit into society. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that will come up today as we talk.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One early account of a werewolf story is from the first century.
1: The, sto- the first century.
0: The very first one. So. Century one.
1: Century. Okay. So it's between zero and 99 uh-huh. AD.
0: hmm The story comes from Roman poet Ovid. Oh. Ovid's tale goes that there was a king so evil and harsh that mm-hmm. Jupiter, the king of the gods, paid him a visit. And the mortal king did not believe that Jupiter was who he said he was. So the king served the god human flesh secretly mixed into a feast which was a hugely offensive thing to do. The god Jupiter immediately knew that the food was human flesh, of course, because he was a god. And as punishment, Jupiter turned the king into a wolf. Now, here's the plot twist on. Mm-hmm. The name of the king was King Lycan, which now gives us the word lycanthrope, mm-hmm. which means quite literally, one who transforms into a wolf.
1: That's very interesting. Um, well, the I mean, yes, it's all very interesting. Mm-hmm. But the part about the story with Jupiter getting fed human meat mm-hmm. because there's an identical Greek mythology story. Mm. I mean, Jupiter and Zeus are the same person, right. It's just different names. Yep. But he wasn't King Lycan mm. in that story, Right. which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, maybe that's why this is the one that shines through, just because it has that connection. Absolutely. This story is hugely believed to have set the tone for many of the werewolf tropes that we still know today. Such as, It solidifies the belief that werewolves are closely tied to primitive and animalistic acts, like cannibalism or eating humans. Okay, so let's now talk about the next account here. Herodotus, an ancient Greek from the 5th century, reported seeing a tribe of shapeshifters on his travels through what would now be northwestern Ukraine and south Belarus. This tribe was called Nori, and Herodotus reported that once a year, the people of the tribe became wolves for several days before returning to their human form. Though Herodotus claimed to not believe the tale, he also states that many did believe it to be true. Jumping back over to the Romans for a second, so Roman writer Petronius is often credited as the first person to forge the connection between wolf shapeshifters and the full moon. Petronius's story goes that on a night on a full moon, a man was going to visit his mistress. He asked a soldier to come with him, and along the walk, the soldier suddenly stopped, got naked, turned into a wolf, and ran away into the night. Once he arrives at his mistress's house, he is told that one of the servants fought with a wolf and wounded it in the neck. And of course, the next day, the man finds the soldier in his bunk with a fatal sword wound in his neck. That'll do it. Yep. There is a historic belief that the full moon makes people insane. Lunacy, if you will. Just as our podcast is named Lunatics to honor that legend and connection, because it is near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense that the full moon would also be adopted to use in these legends, as a trigger to transform werewolves into their animalistic form. Jumping again forward, this time into the Middle Ages, you see a lot of werewolf legend coming out of this time period. Interestingly, though, this time was also rich with belief of shapeshifters of all kind, not just wolves. Like what? So across the globe, these were some of the most interesting ones that I could find, including were wild cats" from Japan.
1: Were wild cats. Uh-huh. So that's the cat equivalent of werewolves, but it's only A wildcat. Yeah. What does it look like?
0: Like a wild cat.
1: Does, is it bipedal? I
0: don't know what that means.
1: Does it stand upright?
0: Oh, I don't know. I mean, like a cheetah or something like that.
1: I mean, there's no cheetahs in Japan.
0: But you know what I'm saying. That's the kind of a wild cat. I'm just
1: incredibly interested in these werecats.
0: Wear reindeer
1: Wear reindeer
0: And wear possums what The f-
1: What's a werepossum? possum
0: Someone who turns into a possum. They're
1: so little. Mm-hmm. That, so it's like half man, half possum. Uh-huh. Is it the size, is it a man the size of a possum or the possum the size of a man? <laughs> uh
0: Well, I think it's the possum the size of a man. No, I think they maybe he shrinks down. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Like what part is human? What part's possum?
0: No, He turns into it.
1: So full it's possum full transformation. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: It's like a shapeshifter, but into a
1: possum. So he's not a were possum.
0: Well, they call them were possums.
1: So, Okay. So, the so if, that you, I read. if you're, you're in a police lineup uh-huh. with possum, possum, where possum, uh-huh. would they all look identical? Yeah. Wow. hmm.
0: OK. Vikings would actually wear the pelts of bears meant to give their warriors the powers of the animal. Oh, yeah. They were called translated to English berserkers. And they thought, uh, and they were actually thought of as their own people as no longer human. So if you are one of these berserkers, which was like a special unit of the Viking military, you would put on these bear pelts and be given this like special bear animal power, and your own people would say like, okay, you're no longer human; you are now like a bear.
1: Well, there's also one key component to making the berserker, uh-huh. and that would they would and that would be that they would take s- super strong natural hallucinogens. Uh huh. So like they would eat special mushrooms mm-hmm. or drink some kind of like cactus juice or whatever you're going to find it in you know Norway or wherever yeah. the Vikings are pillaging at the time yeah but it's like straight up lose your mind in battle frenzy
0: yeah that's something we'll actually see a lot as we go through the history really the use of yeah hallucinogens hmm. but so let's focus on wolves right because you were very distracted by the whole possum thing I mean it was pretty
1: interesting yeah you wolf. can't drop where possum and not expect me to bite
0: well sometimes i just don't know okay so there is a reason that werewolf legend gained so much traction in medieval times in europe wolves were thought to be the biggest and most deadly predator many cautionary stories about wolves were passed down to children for example little red riding hood
1: oh what's that that one about
0: (laughs) well i assume you all know little red riding hood and the wolf in this story is high functioning, right? He talks, he does impressions, he pretends high, to be other people. Well, he exhibits human qualities, right? Yeah. And so scholars actually think this is based on werewolf myth because oh, of that.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that was just a totally normal wolf, except he was he could talk.
0: Humanoid, right? And so at the time when all of this wolf lunacy was like ravaging Europe, it mm-hmm. makes sense that coming out of that context, it would be tied to it being a werewolf. Wow. And kind of like this cautionary tale for kids. I and mean,
1: that's like the opposite. It's, it's like a wolf that wants to become a man. Right. Or in this case, a grandmother.
0: <laughs> right. The wolf has a lot of ties to the occult as well. You may not know this, but in Europe, right after the rise in hysteria about witchcraft had passed, a new panic swept the continent. And that was the fear of werewolves. Between 1300 and 1700, thousands of people were tried for witchcraft. With the splitting off of the Protestant and Catholic churches and the ferocity of religion at the time, it brought about an extreme and dangerous fear of the occult. In Estonia, more people were actually accused of being a werewolf than of being a witch.
1: Is, where's Estonia? It's in Europe. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wait, wait, people got accused of...
0: more. So after the, the you know, we all know about the trials, right? These huge, like... Waves of hysteria around witchcraft, in right? And that was Europe. all Europe,
1: yeah. It was all the the church is doing,
0: right? But literally, right after that was over, mm-hmm. there were huge, huge, huge waves of panic around werewolves in much the same vein <laughs> across Europe and in New England as well.
1: The people always need some kind of witch hunt, yeah. They just switched it to a werewolf hunt,
0: right? And it was very much the same kind of bullshit right? You were dabbling in the occult, you were this, you were that. We'll get into it.
1: They pointing fingers saying, You're a werewolf, right. Right. And they test if they float.
0: They will. Exactly. Well, again, we're about to talk about it. Okay. So much like witchcraft was handled, the trials would often use tactics to find out if a subject was actually a witch or a werewolf. What would they do? So the first thing that they would do is look at somebody physically to see.
1: Interesting approach. Yeah. Do they look like a werewolf?
0: Well, the first sign would be if they had a unibrow. Oh. Which means that I would be considered a werewolf by today's standards. You
1: don't have a unibrow.
0: Well, because I have access to wax. But if I was in medieval Europe, I certainly would have a unibrow. And I would have been hanged immediately for being a werewolf.
1: Okay, so confession time. Uh Are you a werewolf?
0: No, but I am a
1: monster. (laughs) like that that made you chuckle
0: (laughs) okay another sign is that hair growing on palms or rough palms from shaving palms
1: do you have hair on your palms
0: no i don't but this was actually something that the wine label hinted at
1: who do people really have hairy palms
0: yeah well they some people do yeah
1: i mean i know people have hairy backs of their hands
0: yeah no there's diseases we'll talk about later oh yeah yeah, that kind of Mm -hmm. like have played into these where hair
1: grows all over their body exactly
0: yeah and so people would also know that if they had hair on their palms they could be accused of this so they would Mm -hmm. shave it and so if you had rough palms from shaving Mm -hmm. you would also be accused unkempt wild or unpleasant people were often accused and people who did not fit in with the society and so we'll see kind of over and over again that Like they call them wild men or pretty much like people who are experiencing homelessness, right? Or people Mm -hmm. who were hermits living outside of town. They were often blamed for things because they were the easy target and they'd be like, oh, they're a werewolf. They're weird. Yeah,
1: it's just the fear of the other. Yep,
0: exactly. Gruesome crimes were often blamed on werewolves. Between 1520 and 1630 in France, more than 30,000 people were tried and accused of being a werewolf.
1: 30,000? Mm-hmm. One at a time. It was it's such a waste of taxpayer money.
0: I mean, that's over a hundred years.
1: It's still a waste of taxpayer. <laughs> yeah, money. Yeah,
0: I mean, sure, sure, of course.
1: But I mean, yeah, werewolves are going to cause quite a stir. Yeah, you got You can't just let them be.
0: No. So it was commonplace to accuse outsiders or hermits, like I just said, torture them into a confession, and then burn them at the stake.
1: You? They'd burn them at the stake. Mm-hmm. Again, they're, they're kind of like
0: coming off of the heels of how they were handling witches well
1: we didn't find any witches so everyone was clearly a werewolf we just were pointing... i mean they
0: found witches <laughs> they found them all
1: they found right they exterminated all of the yeah
0: witches. Th- there's no more
1: thank god that got taken care of <laughs> there
0: were also many women accused of being she wolves
1: she wolves mm-hmm. is that where you got the brilliant idea for she wolf
0: no but i was excited when i not excited for the women who were accused of this but i do like a good she wolf one story goes that a man was attacked in the woods by a wolf while defending himself he was able to cut one paw off of the animal wow but by the time he looked again it had transformed into a woman's hand with a wedding ring with a wedding ring on it
1: Oh, jackpot
0: but of course he recognized the ring to be that of his wife
1: oh and
0: when he went to see her he went home she was missing a hand and so he burned her at the stake what what was her reaction she walks in hey honey i got your hand Well, it seems like he burned her at the stake, so she probably didn't have much time to react.
1: Was she just like trying to make dinner, hiding the fact that she's missing a hand?
0: Well, no, to me, that's that's like, okay. this guy doesn't want he wants to get rid of his wife for whatever reason. So he burns her and then he makes up this backstory about how he cut off a wolf's hand. And that's why he did it right. Like that's him getting out of being punished for a crime
1: that that makes too much sense. Mm
0: -hmm. It's freaking husband's 101 over here. Okay, so now let's talk about the French werewolf epidemic, or
1: the French epidemic,
0: the French epidemic, <laughs> or the Beast of Javudon.
1: Ooh, this sounds very familiar.
0: I wrote the phonetics about how to s- pronounce that properly. You
1: did a beautiful job. Thank
0: you, thank you. So s-
1: say, say it again, please. Javudon. Girvudon.
0: The Beast of Javudon. Beautiful. Thank you. We've been talking about werewolf hysteria and wrongly accused innocent people who are put to death. Though the French werewolf epidemic certainly plays into that fear and hysteria, I want to be clear that we are now talking about a real incident. This actually happened. Whoa. So between the years of 1764 and 1767, panic hit a small town in southern France.
1: 1764. Four. to 1767.
0: Yep, so three years. Okay. During this time, a creature was responsible for the killing of a 100 people. And again, this happened. A hundred people were actually killed. Mm -hmm. That is not fiction. There were dozens of witnesses and tons of documentation outlining the attacks. After the first attack, it was described as having a huge broad chest and a thick neck, a long and thin tail and big paws. And of course, murderous teeth. Yes. Big neck,
1: murderous teeth.
0: Big neck, big teeth, big chest, thin tail.
1: This is like the opposite of you in every way.
0: I have a thick tail and thin teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was a weird thing. Well, like. you
1: got a thin neck uh-huh. and little baby teeth.
0: Uh-huh. That's not something the listeners need to know about.
1: I think it's time to come clean. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh- I
0: have four baby teeth, okay? Is that what you want me to say? I have four baby teeth, and at some point they're going to fall out, and I don't have the money to replace them, so I'll be a pirate. Okay please give to our
1: patreon you got strong baby teeth
0: i'm trying because they were supposed to fall out in my 20s they're
1: a little but mighty
0: that's right maybe they'll stay with me forever
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the beast of joe was said to run very quickly and leap with great power mm-hmm. most of the attacks centered on women and children but it also had but it also did take down full-grown men so it mostly attacked people who were isolated in a field with their sheep right so like people who were kind of like doing their farm work or hurting their animals
1: also places that would traditionally get attacked by wolves
0: Right. But it was also known to come into town centers from time to time and actually take people from in, inside the
1: town. Oh, I thought you were going to say and go shopping. <laughs> yeah. That would be very suspicious.
0: Yeah. That would be a weird move. Yeah. Most victims had their throats and necks ripped out of their bodies. There were multiple documented in- instances of hunters and other folks shooting the beast from a short distance away. So like uh, a very clear shot from a short distance. Mm-hmm. And it was still able to get up and walk away. Mm-hmm but quick side note Uh uh-huh
1: and i I learned this recently okay do you know why dogs have spiked collars no i mean besides just looking badass no so it's because it 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 comes from the days of guard dogs Mm -hmm. uh that how that would have to defend against wolves
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh because wolves go for the throat So by having spikes Mm. on the outside, another canine can't successfully, or or, sorry, effectively bite another dog's throat because it impales their mouth.
0: That's cool. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. And so it's been kind of adopted. That's why you see them on like French bulldogs.
0: Got it. So there are a few different theories around what really happened here. The most popular is that this was not one wolf attacking this area of France, but packs of wolves. And the werewolf hysteria at the time elevated the descriptions of the wolf, but it is out of character for wolves to actually attack adults or for pe- to attack people at all.
1: Little scaredy cats.
0: Right. And it would be odd to have wolves in this area change this instinctual behavior for three years, right? And then change back. So that theory is kind of like maybe we cross it out.
1: Do you remember when we watched the documentary? Yes. Black Wolf?
0: I do. It was very good. It's Everybody very good. should watch it. Yeah. Uh, again, Alan, Alan loves his wolves.
1: Well, because we, we went to the wolf sanctuary. Mm-hmm. You, we, in the weekend called camping with the wolves
0: yes we went camping with the wolves upstate there's a camp there's a wolf sanctuary where you can go and camp out and learn about wolves
1: you you sleep surrounded by wolves Mm -hmm. they all howl Mm -hmm. and due to wolf law they all have to howl back Mm -hmm. it's really cute
0: it's cute yeah
1: and there's a there's a big outdoor screening and you got all the wolves around you yeah and we watched a beautiful documentary about black wolf Mm -hmm. who is this not even an alpha he was just oh, really... He's, he's like a bad boy, though. Yeah, exactly. So, so crafty.
0: Yeah. Okay. Hang on. <laughs> getting, getting off topic here. Another theory about the Beast of Jevoudin is that some psycho person bred a wolf with a mastiff and trained it to attack people.
1: Which is how we have the domesticated dog in the first place. hmm
0: But a more modern theory is that the Beast of Jevoudin was actually a lion, which actually fits the description really well. Remember, big teeth, broad chest, small, thin tail a lion and so let me explain why the thought is that at the time it was kind of common-ish practice for really wealthy households to have collections of wild animals and so it was said that somebody in the south of france could very easily have had sort of a wealthy collection of wild animals and one escaped and instead of them dealing with that right it ended up killing 100 people in this small area of france
1: at first i was like no way is a lion gonna kill 100 people uh-huh. however there is this tiger in india that is famous because it's killed over 80 people and this is pretty like, it's like modern day mm-hmm. just small like in a remote. it's like
0: a wild living tiger yeah, it's a
1: wild tiger and it's killed over 80 people wow that's it's just a badass scary. tiger.
0: I mean, yeah, it's scary. It's
1: pe- seriously, people need to stay away from this tiger. Yeah,
0: don't live in that area.
1: So yeah. it's possible, although tigers are far superior to lions.
0: Why Why do you say that?
1: I mean, okay, I, I, if you really want to go into it.
0: I mean, not really.
1: Fine, I'll explain. So <laughs> first off, lions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're, they're, they're pack animals.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the lionesses all hunt together. They yeah. hide in the brush and they ambush gazelles, you know? Yeah. Tigers... Well, first off, are drastically superior physically. Mm-hmm. They're much larger, mm-hmm. they're much stronger, they're faster, and they hunt solo. Like, there's no pack of tigers, or sorry, a pride of tigers. They have to do all everything by themselves, and they take out prey. They take down prey that's just as big as what a lion takes down, mm-hmm. but it's just one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for that information. You're welcome. Okay, so now let's pivot back into the world of werewolves to talk about clinical lycanthropy.
1: Lycanthropy. Mm -hmm. cool
0: so we talked about this very briefly in our she-wolf episode but there's actually a mental health condition called clinical lycanthropy
1: we had a whole she-wolf episode yeah we did really
0: with ashley on it
1: oh my gosh yes yeah that was a fun one
0: yeah it was fun and we kind of dabble in some werewolf stuff but not anywhere near as deep as we're doing right now
1: i was trying to think because like i'm trying to hold i remember i talked in detail about the werewolf of paris Mm -hmm. and as soon as you start talking about your story about france and the werewolf and everything Mm -hmm. i was like is this possibly what inspired it no nope.
0: oh it could be i don't know (laughs) i haven't read the werewolf of paris i remember it's coming back to me now when you read that yeah
1: i mean because it's a it's a it's a very old novel
0: yeah i I am going to touch on it today
1: so well regardless i can't remember what episode that was from maybe that was it
0: yeah so again there's actually a mental health condition called clinical lycanthropy which is how we describe people who believe that they can turn into a wolf hmm Some symptoms may be running around on all fours, craving meat, and howling during an episode. Oh.
1: Exactly. Excuse me, wolf law. Oh.
0: They also may remember transforming into an animal, more of a nostalgic feeling than an acute memory. Uh So they may have been having dreams or something about kind of like being a wolf. And so though this is a form of psychosis, there is no formal mental illness or neurological condition assigned to this. So it's a formal psychosis classification or whatever, but there's no like clinical explanation for why this happens. But it's Got big it. enough that it's labeled.
1: Mm-hmm. But I mean, when go psychosis is labeled as well. Mm-hmm. I think it falls into the same category.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It is. So now this this part, I think, is pretty interesting.
1: Is this the most interesting part?
0: I guess it depends on top 10 per- personal experience, personal preference. OK, all right.
1: So if you're just tuning in, now is a good point.
0: If you just press this episode and skipped right till the middle, then yeah, here we go. So I want to talk about a few instances of children being raised by wolves. Oh. And we all know the term, right? Raised by wolves. And there are actually several, several documented reports of children after being lost or abandoned living by themselves in the woods. Perhaps one of the most famous of these reports outlines Amala and Kamala. They, along with 14 other children between 1843 and 1933, were supposedly raised by wolves in India. What? Mm -hmm. Not together, but but separately. And so Amala and Kamala were sisters, and uh, they were removed from a wolf den in
1: 1920. Hmm. What? Wow.
0: Yeah. The girls were described as walking on all fours and only eating raw meat. It was also said that they howled when they were upset. Like they put them in cages as a way to like, you know, this was 1920 and they were awful. So they put them in cages and the girls were like howling to get out.
1: I mean, yeah, they respect wolf law.
0: Exactly. But sadly, after being rescued, the girls did not live full lives. Amala died at age two and a half and Kamala died at age 17. And she lived for about nine years after being rescued.
1: I was actually reading something just the other day about how if raised in a feral environment Mm -hmm. if you aren't exposed to language before a certain age it's impossible to pick up later
0: yeah it's interesting so i didn't include it here but i was also reading another story i believe it was the a boy named victor Mm -hmm. in france and he was considered like this wild boy that they rescued from the woods and he had been living in the wilderness and they rescued him when he was like maybe 12 and he would only kind of like eat berries and mushrooms and things and he could not they could never teach him english or, or french he, he never learned to speak or read hmm. he lived from age 12 to age 40 but he was never able to learn how to speak or read
1: yeah i mean they say that kids are super impressionable yeah that would make sense yeah so it's, it's, it's also it's it's i guess it's just hard to fathom but it's trying to put yourself into impossible shoes right like how can you not adjust
0: Right. But if your brain was never sort of molded that way. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think if anything, that just speaks to the adaptability of humans. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Especially from a young age, right? Like that there are key learning years in your youth that are important to hit. Let's talk about some explanations (laughs) of werewolf sightings beyond wild men living in the woods, shall we? And this is something we touched upon a few moments ago is hypertrichosis also known as werewolf syndrome and it is really just an abnormal amount of hair growth over the body
1: it's called werewolf syndrome
0: yeah or hypertrichosis gotcha and it can either be something you are born with or something that pops up later in life
1: it can pop up later in life i know
0: and how fucking terrifying is that's that?
1: terrible yeah i'm so sorry to yeah. everyone that is afflicted by this
0: yeah Um, you can see how having abnormal hair growth pop up later in life can lead to rumors of werewolfism, right? Mm -hmm. If suddenly this happens. And again, there's a lot of, uh, images you can find online and, you know, people are really, really covered in hair. Yeah. Those who had hypertrichosis in the 19th and early 20th century often became sideshow performers.
1: Is that how you get the bearded lady?
0: Uh, it could be, but it's kind of more like, I think they presented them as...
1: Oh, a different thing. The, the the werewolf man, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I've I've seen pictures of these people that look like they're wearing a fur suit.
0: Hypertrichosis occurs in about one in every billion people, so there could be seven or eight people on the Earth right now. That's with it. so rare. Yeah, there are detailed paintings of a family who had this condition back in the eighteen hundreds. An interesting side note is that these paintings, and you can Google them, look very much like the Lon Chaney makeup from the Wolf Man. But you can see Hmm. how these paintings at the time would further encourage rumors of werewolfism in in Europe. Sure. Another condition that helped encourage werewolf hysteria is porphyria. What's that? Which is a genetic blood disorder. Essentially, those with this condition are extremely sensitive to sunlight and exposure can cause tissue damage to the skin on the face, head, and the rest of the body. Hmm. Causing the person to want to come out late at night And perhaps uh, hold their hands in a strange position for comfort, right? Because their tissue is deteriorating. Their gums and teeth might be more exposed, too, because of loss of tissue around the mouth. So they sort of almost look like zombie walkers late at night.
1: So your flesh is disintegrating?
0: If when it's exposed to the sun, yeah.
1: That's horrific.
0: Mm -hmm. It's It's a horror story, yeah.
1: It's like that girl in London who's allergic to rain. Oh, is that real? Well, she's allergic to water, yeah.
0: How does she live? Don't you need water to live?
1: Uh, You do. It's actually just a topical allergy.
0: So she can drink it, but it can't touch her skin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oof, that's tough.
1: Yep, a lot of dry shampoo.
0: Yeah. And finally, there are instances of people coming across naturally occurring hallucinogens that may have caused the sensation of turning into a werewolf or seeing a werewolf. So, do, you,
1: do you have a list of such compounds?
0: No, I don't. I think people could put it together but there were like some of them were like people found things in the forest right and ate them but there Mm -hmm. was other things where like people were making solves and things at the time sort of like apothecary things gone wrong uh or like purposefully using them and then sort of having these hallucinations which again just like when you're at the the peak of werewolf hysteria of course when you're tripping that's what you're gonna see right and then you kind of again encourage that perpetuates the rumors that these things actually exist
1: this actually harkens back harpens relates back. harkens harkens this actually harkens back to the Tourette slash possession episode mm-hmm. uh where it's like that one thing that you're focusing on yeah. there's like what the one thing you're like you're trying so hard to avoid you you naturally gravitate towards mm-hmm. uh which is you know it's almost like the the psychological phenomena of like when you're in the when you're driving Uh, I think it might even uh, be called object fixation when you're driving in a big open parking lot and Mm -hmm. there's like that one pole that you're not supposed to hit. Right. And you're just so careful to not hit that pole that, of course, you hit that pole. Right. You just can't help it.
0: Right. Yeah, totally. And so, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense if you're hallucinating that that's the thing you don't want to happen. Right. If everyone thinks that
1: there's werewolves around and you take a strong hallucinogen. Yeah. And you think, oh, my God. What if I'm a werewolf? Right,
0: right, exactly. Then you're a lycanthrope. All of that being said, there is no isolated reason or sole incident that the sphere of werewolves ran rampant across Europe. But there are many factors that helped to prolong these rumors and continued to spread fear across the continent, which, of course, we just talked about. The werewolf is one of the oldest and most fiercely popular mythologies to this day. It is deeply rooted in the fear of the beast within. So now let's take a look at werewolves in more modern pop culture.
1: Oh, I just hope that somewhere along this list of modern pop culture, I'm going to get a beautiful recommendation Mm -hmm. because I've always wanted to play a really cool werewolf game Mm -hmm. where you play as a werewolf.
0: I don't have any games here. So if you want to suggest that later, that's fine. But I did not (laughs) pre-anticipate the thing that you want me to say. Most of the werewolf tropes that we know as modern folks, are from the 1941 Universal Studios film The Wolfman. We've seen that. We have.
1: We had to watch it for the scariest scuffle.
0: Yes. Many often credit The Wolfman as being a unique and terrifying monster because unlike Dracula and Frankenstein's monster, who are both based on books, The Wolfman was something new, not based on a book.
1: Which was confusing to me because I searched to be like, The Wolfman has to come from something. Yep. But nope, it's just from super scattered folklore
0: well yeah but we're going to talk about the very cool person who wrote it oh though there were a plethora of werewolf stories that came before this film in 1846 one of these short stories was published in a victorian penny dreadful
1: what's a penny dreadful
0: it's sort of like a recurring penny magazine you know like a pulp magazine if mm-hmm. you will. um
1: I only know of the series penny dreadful
0: yeah yeah And it's from the Victorian area. It's very cool. Cool. I would love to get some Penny Dreadfuls. So the name of the story that was in the Penny Dreadful was Wagner the Werewolf by G.W.M. Reynolds. The story is a very classic tale of the awful werewolf stealing away the blonde-haired child and terrorizing London. Typical. Typical. Fast forwarding all the way to 1865, the Book of Werewolves was published by a cleric named Sabine Baron Gould.
1: The Book of Werewolves? Uh Uh-huh. This is a real book?
0: Uh Uh-huh. Published by a cleric.
1: We can get this book.
0: Uh, I'm sure you can, yeah. All right. I'm sure it's going to be hard to read. It was written in 1865.
1: We've read older.
0: Yeah, but, you know, it's not going to be, like, snappy.
1: Paradise Lost was from 1600s.
0: Yeah, and that's such a breeze to read through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In 1933... (laughs) Well, hang on. What? Pride and Prejudice was written in the 1800s.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's... That's pretty
1: snappy. Yeah, is it? i think so
0: you read pride and prejudice yeah oh huh. um how about robinson robinson crusoe okay i'm not gonna debate with you uh, i understand that there's That's classic literature snappy. that we've read
1: speaking of robinson crusoe uh-huh. you can read the, re- the reimagining
0: uh-huh
1: called the lycanthrope robinson crusoe uh-huh by peter Kleins.
0: okay it's
1: only from a few years ago It's almost identical to the story of Robinson Crusoe, Mm -hmm. except that he's on the island because it's a self-imposed exile because he's a freaking werewolf.
0: Thank you for bringing it back to werewolves. Mm -hmm. In 1933, just eight years before the release of The Wolfman, we saw the first novel about werewolves released, Guy Endor's Werewolf of Paris. There it is. There it is, which was based on a real case of a French soldier who was found eating dead bodies in French cemeteries. So Um, that really happened. That was what it was based on. Endor reframed this story to represent this man as a werewolf. And of course, this led to the movie, The Werewolf of London. mm -hmm. It is interesting because this was the first feature film about a werewolf. And it's very popular when it was released. it was, you know, it had a positive reception. But it still failed to become the ultimate werewolf movie, which we all know goes to the wolfman.
1: I mean, I haven't seen this movie, Mm -hmm. but so I'm, I'm basing this solely off the book. Yeah. But in the book it's super i mean you know that he's a werewolf Mm -hmm. however all throughout it's still super ambiguous because he doesn't remember being a werewolf Mm -hmm. everything is told as fragments of flashbacks
0: yeah well let me tell you why i think Hmm. it wasn't as well as not become the ultimate werewolf movie so it is largely because the censors got involved
1: the censors
0: the board of censorship.
1: Oh, sorry, I was picturing camera sensors.
0: Yeah. They did not like how the film portrayed and this is the um this is the Werewolf of London. The censors did not like how the film portrayed the transformation between man and wolf and thought it was too controversial what? given the current debate about Darwinism and evolution. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. And so the transformation scene was cut from The Werewolf of London.
1: So he just goes from normal guy to like running out the door. It happens
0: off-screen. Jeez. and like the shadows
1: what a hack
0: mm-hmm. universal studios were eager to release another werewolf movie but again they ran into issues with the censor board Who
1: who is the censor board it's,
0: it was like it was at the time it was a much bigger commission
1: oh i guess it's that the same had like that... federal funding i mean i suppose it's the same people that rate movies
0: yeah it was just before world war ii and the board did not think that horror movies were appropriate given the times <laughs> and of course this is actually interesting We now know that people need emotional releases, right, and mental escapism, which is perfectly in line with how horror movies impact us while we watch. And you can actually see sort of a trend of horror popularity when times are tough. Mm. Thus, Universal's golden years for horror, especially around the Wolfman saga, are perfectly in line with the years of World War II. So thus, Universal's golden years for horror especially around the Wolfman saga, are perfectly in line with the years of World War II, starting right after Pearl Harbor 1941, when the Wolfman was released, Mm -hmm. and ending right at the end of the war. Some wolf traits that we can thank the Wolfman for establishing or encouraging are the full moon, Mm -hmm. the pentagram to mark the next victim.
1: Which I think is also exclusive to that movie.
0: Mm -hmm. It is, yep. Death by a silver bullet, Mm -hmm. transferring the curse, Uh, transferring the curse by biting a victim whoa which is only in this film
1: okay so before this how did people become werewolves
0: so before this the idea where that werewolves would eat somebody entirely so if you were a werewolf your mission was to consume the person and to feed Mm -hmm. your mission was not to turn people right so you wouldn't stop yourself from eating that had always been the werewolf lore forever and ever up until this movie was made in 1941
1: but still, how did you become a werewolf?
0: It was like hereditary. It was like you dabbled in in oh. the occult or what you know, you whatever. But Got- it wasn't that you transferred it to other werewolves. From yeah, other werewolves.
1: gotcha. I'm sorry. It's 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 actually it, that's exactly how they do it in the Werewolf of Paris, mm-hmm. where it's just you're born with it yeah. and it's in your clan.
0: Right. And just to be clear, because I'm not sure if I said this. The Werewolf of London, the movie, is based on the book The Werewolf of Paris, but they changed it into English-speaking to reach more broader audiences. Makes sense. So it's the same story. Yeah, and so the last thing that The Wolfman gave us was the transformation scene from man to wolf. That was the first time audiences were ever shown that.
1: Actually, I don't remember. I was going to say it's pretty graphic, but I'm also remembering American Werewolf. It's
0: sort of like a stop-motion scene where he just adds more and more hair to his face but it's actually something i want to talk about for a minute okay. so because of the transformation scene in the wolfman where you can very very clearly see the humanity of lon cheney jr as he transforms right it's it's the shot stays on him and essentially like you know today you would laugh at the quality of it but you can see him so like slowly transform into a mm-hmm. wolf he's kind of not really moving and they're just adding like Right. More and
1: more makeup. Right. You know, the effects were limited for the time, but for the time it was great.
0: Right. But that humanity, right. Seeing him actually transform, which they we hadn't seen in Werewolf of London Mm -hmm. forever changed this monster. In the past, werewolves were seen as vicious beasts. But these movies portray the complexity and humanity behind those who fall victim to this curse. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it is about the character of Lon Chaney Jr., on the human man side mm-hmm. and it's not just about like a rampant killing spree which is sort of again how the lore was shifted before
1: it's on cheney the actor
0: yeah he's okay. the actor yeah another interesting note about this transformation scene it takes place in a confessional and of course universal studios were afraid of the religious backlash that they would get so they actually included a prologue to the film that painted it as a cautionary
1: tale <laughs> oh how times were different
0: yeah So, Kirk Sitemach, who is a German screenwriter and novelist who is famous for his horror and science fiction work, was the person who wrote this screenplay. Got it. And, of course, we can thank him not only for the Wolfman script, but also for establishing these traits that now define werewolf mythos.
1: So, this was the first time that their Achilles heel or kryptonite was silver?
0: It was the first time silver bullets were used. It was the first time that we saw the pentagram... It was the first time that there was a cultural, that there was a, a writing or anything that connected it to the moon. Like that had been in, in stories, but it wasn't included in previous movies and mm-hmm. things like that. So there were like some things he drew on and there were some things that were totally new to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And of course, werewolves continue to be part of modern culture film to this day. Notable werewolf movies include, you're going to, and then Alan, I'm going to really rely on you to round out this list here. Okay. So The Wolfman werewolves of london an american werewolf in london ginger snaps which we watch is a pretty ginger snaps, ginger snaps is like a, a modern movie it's great it's, it's a great, great movie. it's wonderful it's everyone perfect just, to just watch.
1: don't just go and watch it it's yeah. fun
0: yeah it's very fun please watch it in october the howling and silver bullet
1: silver bullet i don't think i've seen that one
0: i haven't seen either but it was it got pretty rave reviews okay alan give us your werewolf recommendations
1: Um, I think that the best werewolf movies of all times, Mm -hmm. I think the best werewolf movies of all time,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, come from the Underworld series.
0: Oh yes.
1: I love the depictions of werewolves in that.
0: Yeah. How could I forget? I just watched it today.
1: You did. Uh, they're strong, they're fast. Yep. They're kind of sexy Mm a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: it's interesting. There's no gal werewolves though in the first one there's so it's the essential like Mm, it's like werewolves versus vampires and we see a lot of like gal vampires but there's no gal werewolves
1: which is interesting that is interesting i'm trying to think i'm trying to think if there's any movie with female werewolves
0: besides she Wolf.
1: besides the motion picture phenomena of Mm she-wolf and nothing nothing's jumping at well uh, of course ginger snaps
0: yeah yep ginger snaps yep Ginger Snaps is great. Again, please watch it. I mm-hmm. really love it.
1: And just in case anyone is like kind of turned off by the title, her name is Ginger mm-hmm. and she snaps. She snaps hard.
0: Yeah. It's like a teen werewolf movie, but it's it's actually good.
1: It's horrifically violent. Yeah. In all the right ways.
0: Yeah. It's like graphic in many ways. Um, yeah. And what, do you have a werewolf game that you wanted to tell people about?
1: No. I mean, I'm that that's i'm i'm constantly chasing it mm-hmm. it just seems like such a fun thing that i would love to experience in a video game format because mm. you know you, you you're a totally normal guy and then you just transform into this like vicious killing machine yeah the closest i've ever experienced is in skyrim
0: what about like wolfenstein
1: you've clearly never played that game
0: we played a game i feel like where i was a wolf
1: was it wolfenstein Wolfen. Wolfenstein is about a a Nazi hunter. Oh, um,
0: but we played a game where you were a wolf. I thought. Wolf, well, we'll research and get back to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's the even in the there's the Wolfenstein reboot uh-huh. that also has nothing to do with wolves.
0: Oh, well, that must be it.
1: Where it's 1966, Nazis have won World War II, mm-hmm. and you waking up from a long a long coma. Yeah. Just wake up and you're like, what, Nazis won? Oh, fuck no. Cock your shotgun. And well, you go to town.
0: Nice.
1: It's, I mean, it's a great game. Yeah. But nothing to do with werewolves.
0: Interesting. All right. Well then, Alan, I have nothing left to say about werewolves.
1: That's really disappointing.
0: Why? You Because I, I
1: really just wanted you to be like, you know, in my research, I came across this perfect werewolf game.
0: Well, I can keep researching. Thank you. Uh, never not researching.
1: Well, I guess... My love of werewolf and gaming uh-huh. comes from Diablo 2, where you could play as the druid and turn into a big wolf beast. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it was a werewolf, but like he can turn into a bunch of different animals, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Like a possum?
1: No, he could not turn into a possum, which was why there were so many questions. Mm. I still i am very curious about this possum. I would love to do a follow up episode on the werepossum.
0: Okay, we could do that.
1: So, my perfect werewolf is basically a furry version of the hulk Mm -hmm. who also can bite people right you just become super strong unstoppable incredibly fast and you know you can do all sorts of fun things
0: there you go nothing wrong with that
1: but one of the reasons why i love the underworld series is because you don't lose your mind when you become a wolf it's just like a physical change not a mental change at all I mean, yeah, you you know, you become more animalistic. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you become more savage, but you still have your wits about you. Yep. I think, and I I think that's very cool.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, Alan. Yeah. It's your turn now. For what? To read your story. Oh, I wrote a story. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Alan has been working on this story ever since we went to Maine in early September, and i have not read it i know a little bit about it and what i know sounds amazing so i cannot wait to hear it i've not heard it
1: i mean it's okay i'm sure that it is great it's pretty bad
0: it's not why would you say it's, it's bad it's the
1: worst because you keep the expectations low and then you over deliver
0: okay well that's great Underpromise, over-deliver. overdeliver. all right let's hear it
1: okay here we go to the moon red and red by Alan Kudan. You have the tickets, right? Gene anxiously asked for the millionth time. Yep, they haven't moved since last time you asked, quipped Gordon. Are you excited to be an astronaut? Gene looked around the spaceport terminal. Large posters depicted life on the moon as paradise. Inside the massive biodomes were jobs. Everyone had their own house, and people always looked happy. She and her husband had finally decided to emigrate from Earth but it wasn't an easy decision. Sure, the Earth was on its last legs. The ice caps had melted years ago, there was a global food and energy crisis, and the smog was so bad that not a single person on Earth had seen the moon or stars in decades. But Earth was home. They were about to leave behind the home that they had made for themselves, as meager as it was, but they were trading it for a future a place where she and Gordon could finally have a child and not worry about nationwide smog toxicity warnings. And to actually see the night sky, the moon and stars seemed almost like mythology. She had seen countless pictures and videos of the moon, but to actually go there and see it with her own two eyes seemed like a risk worth taking. They arrived at spaceport security and prepared for the normal hassle. Jean put her hand on the silver bioscanner, The surly spaceport security officer looked back and forth between Jean and the bioelectric data readout that appeared on the screen. It appeared that no foreign objects or pathogens were in or on her body. Moments later, the officer waved her through and Gordon stepped up to the scanner. He took a deep breath and presented the prepared documentation to the officer. "'What's this?' the officer asked with a less than amused tone. I have a medical condition that exempts me from undergoing any silver bioscanners. However, if you look at that documentation, you'll see that I've had a full medical examination and background check by a government-approved administrator. The seal on the last page certifies that these examinations have occurred within the last 48 hours as per your own guidelines. The security officer stared at him dully. I need you to put your hand on the scanner, sir. Just takes a second. I have a medical condition that Sir, are you refusing to comply? The officer's hand had already moved to the radio hand mic on their shirt. No, it's just that if you take two seconds to actually look at the documentation, you'll see... The officer began speaking to the radio. We have a Code 14 at Spaceport Security requesting additional... No, No, that won't be necessary. Gordon put his hand on the scanner. The officer eyed Gordon in the readout hard, and kept the scan going for much longer than necessary. Finally... "'They again spoke into the radio. "'Cancel the code 14, all clear. "'That wasn't so hard now, was it? "'Have a great trip to the moon, sir.' "'Gordon wanted to rip the smug grin off the officer, "'but simply grabbed his documentation and caught up with Jean. "'How bad?' Jean asked. "'Gordon showed her his palm that had touched the scanner. "'It was now covered in horrific blisters and burns. "'He had lived with this strange silver allergy all his life, "'but normally it was something easily avoided.' "'Why the hell do we go get you checked out and certified "'if some moron on a power trip can still do this?' Gordon sighed, clenched his burned hand, and smiled at his wife. "'In just under 16 hours, that rent-a-cop "'and all those other morons will literally be a world away. "'Come on, let's go be astronauts.' "'A few more cues later, and Gene and Gordon were finally aboard the spacecraft. "'They couldn't afford one of the private cabins, "'so they shared a cabin with an elderly couple.' After some brief introductions, everyone settled in and prepared for liftoff. The little old woman, introduced as Mrs. Lopez, couldn't help but notice how Jean was digging her nails into the armrests. First time?' she asked knowingly. Jean would have blushed if she wasn't so pale from anxiety. "'Yeah, what gave me away?' "'Don't worry, we do this trip twice a year,' said Mrs. Lopez sweetly. "'Liftoff can be a bit rocky, but there's no turbulence in space.' Jean smiled politely, but she didn't look too reassured. Gordon tried to change the subject. You go to the moon twice a year? Oh, the moon is just a layover stop for us. Our eldest runs one of the largest terraforming companies on Mars. Whenever we visit, he puts us in some new fancy high-rise. Mrs. Lopez bopped her husband. Give him the brochure! Mr. Lopez, without looking up from his book, reaches into his bag and pulls out one of many identical brochures and hands it to his wife. "'Take a look,' said Mrs. Lopez. "'If I were you, I'd get in before the whole planet gets gobbled up!' Gordon and Jean both smiled politely. Liftoff was indeed a bit rocky. Gordon and Jean both held each other for dear life. Even with the inertial dampeners, they both still felt like their stomachs had dropped all the way back down to Earth. The spacecraft tore through the endless expanse of smog, that had once been an ozone layer. And then, all at once, the shaking stopped. The pilot's voice came over the loudspeaker. Good afternoon, folks. We have just broken through Earth's atmosphere. I'll be retracting the window heat shields on the starboard side of the spacecraft. But for all you port-side windows, you will have to wait a few hours. Otherwise, you'll be staring straight into the sun. And I doubt anyone brought enough sunblock for that. Some gentle chuckles sounded from the passengers. So enjoy your flight and your space attendant will be with you shortly to take drink orders. Jean and Gordon both moved to the windows as the heat shields retracted. And there they were, stars, brilliant glowing pearls in an endless black ocean. They're incredible, said Jean. Just wait till you see the moon, darling, replied Mrs. Lopez. Hours went by, but Gordon and Jean never got sick of seeing space. They both undid their seatbelts and experienced zero gravity for the first time. They floated around the little cabin and only stopped when they noticed the bemused gaze of Mrs. Lopez. The familiar ding of the pilot's PA system grabbed their attention. We've begun our orbital approach of the moon. Sorry to all those on the port side of the spacecraft, as this view is for all our starboard passengers out there. You can just catch a sliver of it now, but as we enter orbit, you'll be treated to a full broadside view of the moon before we slingshot around to our landing zone just outside the Sea of Tranquility. Jean and Gordon unbuckled and rushed to the window. If they pressed their faces just right, they could see the very edge of their new home. The brilliant, gleaming, white... "'What's wrong?' Jean asked her husband. Gordon pushed back from the window and looked very ill. He clutched his burned hand. "'I'm not sure,' he stammered with effort. Jean rushed to him. "'You're burning up. Let me see your hand.' Gordon opened his palm, and before his eyes, his wounds were healing." Gene looked around for any answers before meeting the eyes of Mr. Lopez. I'll uh, go f- find a doctor. He blustered as he swept aside the cabin's privacy curtain and shuffled out. Gordon, please, what's going on? Begged Gene, but he couldn't peel his eyes away from the window. The glowing white moon made the cabin brighter and brighter. I... I, I don't... I... I... The spaceship banged slightly and suddenly the moon became a brilliant spotlight shining through the cabin window gordon screamed in agony we've just begun our lunar orbit the pilot said over the speaker we should begin our descent in just over 20 minutes enjoy the view gordon writhed in his seat Jean tried to get his seat restraints on him to keep him from floating but his convulsions were making it impossible help me she yelled at mrs lopez the old woman looked on with fear and disgust I- i'll go see if my husband needs help just as she moved to exit the cabin Mr. Lopez returned with one of the space attendants. Well, it seems to be the-. the attendant's cheerful smile melted off. Gordon's skin had started to split along the length of his arms. Dark black fur ruptured through each new fissure. Everyone but Jean watched in stunned silence. Do something, she screamed. He needs a doctor! The attendant snapped back to reality. He pushed a button on the in-wall communicator. "Cabiner bridge, we have a... Uh, a- "'Sick, passenger in Section 18, Charlie. "'Send the ship's doctor as well as a security detail.' "'The attendant pushed over to Gordon and Jean. "'Okay, sir, we're going to try to get you back into your seat restraints, okay? "'Uh, can you help us with that?' "'Gordon screamed and convulsed. "'It was as if his bones were growing and shifting inside his body. "'Ma'am, please give me a hand.' "'He and Jean struggled to get Gordon back into his seat. "'Just as they latched the first restraint, "'Gordon's free hand shot onto the throat of the attendant.' The man gasped for air, but Gordon's hand burst into five long, powerful black fingers, each tipped with dagger-like talons. Jean heaved on Gordon's hand, trying to pry the claws from the man's neck. Gordon looked at his mutated arm as it acted on its own. With an immense show of will, he forced the black arm to release the man, his eyes snapping to those of his wife. I- I'm sorry. I-, I don't know why I, I did that. "'Stammered Gordon through the labored breaths. "'What's, what's happening, Jean?" "'Just then, the ship's doctor and security detail arrived from the cabin. "'What the hell?' exclaimed the doctor. "'The space attendant choked and coughed as they clutched their bruised neck. "'One of the security officers drew their blaster and pointed it at Gordon. "'Please, my husband is sick. He has a medical condition and—' Jean was cut short by the sound of her husband's chest splitting open.' He screamed as black fur began to slip forth. Gordon could find no breath. His panic eyes pleaded for help. The security officer fired. Before Jean could react, she watched the white-hot plasma bolt explode into her husband's head. Gore, fur, and bone ricocheted around the small cabin. She looked with hysterical disbelief. He was dead. Her husband had just been murdered. Her gaze drifted down. Bits of her beloved were scattered across her. Ma'am, are you okay? Asked one of the men. She brought her hand up. Embedded in her palm was one of Gordon's molars. She closed her hand around it into a fist. "You killed him. Just like that. The officer that had fired lowered his blaster. Why don't we sit down in another cabin? Calmly suggested the doctor. Jean stared at her husband's murderer, and her stupor escalated to anger. Suddenly... Her clenched hand felt like it was on fire, as if a small ball of molten lead began to burn its way deeper into her hand and into her very being. The officer must have noticed the crazed look in her eye. His grip on the weapon tightened. Just do what the doctor says, ma'am. Suddenly, she could feel it all. The burning sensation shot through her body like trapped lightning. She could feel the heat radiating from everyone around her, hear their heartbeats smell their fear most importantly she could feel the moonlight pouring into her it sluiced into her she couldn't take it she had to get out she had to get out of her skin and then she did all at once the flesh that resembled Jean torn asunder there then stood an impossibly large wolf-like creature its jet black fur barely concealed the rippling muscle along every hulking appendage its yellow canine eyes again found gordon's killer he tried to raise his blaster but the wolf was too quick with one swipe the man's head was separated from his shoulders mrs lopez covered in gore and still clinging to the corner of the small cabin yelled kill it kill the damn thing the rest of the security detail tried to push into the small cabin but the thing that was jean pushed off the wall and launched herself out of the doorway she scattered the guards as they ricocheted around the main cabin. A cacophony of screams erupted from everyone in the main cabin as a massive black wolf creature began bouncing around through the zero gravity, slashing and biting anyone that came within striking distance. The passengers all tried to free themselves from their seat restraints as panic overwhelmed the crowd. One of the security officers pulled himself up to one of the in-wall communicators. Bridge, we have a code 66. Assailant is hostile and armed. Well sorta it it's a huge freaking werewolf this is bridge go again please confirm code 66 and did you say werewolf the captain the rest of the bridge crew waited for a response but none came all right said the captain alert ground control that we might have a situation and switch over to autopilot i'm seeing what the hell is going on back there The captain pushed in the combination to an armored safe in the cockpit and removed a plasma rifle. He headed back towards the main cabin. What he found was a massacre. Gore, blood, and the occasional identifiable body part floated around through the zero-gravity cabin. The captain pushed through a mass of floating entrails before he saw it. He knew it was coming, but he still couldn't believe it. Chowing down on one of his former security officers was indeed... A huge freaking werewolf. The passengers that were still alive were huddled at the far end of the cabin. The captain aimed his plasma rifle. The wolf creature snarled as her powerful legs readied to lunge. The beast exploded towards the captain just as a white-hot plasma beam shot from his rifle. It wasn't long before the spaceship finished its lunar orbit and came in for a landing. The ship, still on autopilot, gently touched down inside one of the large domed hangars. As the large, retractable roof slid shut and verified a seal, the whole hangar pressurized with atmosphere. Airlocks opened and spaceport crew rushed to the ship. I want emergency and medical teams standing by, called one of the staff members. We have a code 66, people. Armed security guards moved to the outside of the spaceship and began to open the passenger hatch. The seal popped and the hatch swung wide. Flashlight beams poured into the dark interior of the ship. There was a scampering... Or maybe a running noise that echoed from inside. The noise grew as one of the beams reflected two yellow canine eyes glaring out from the abyss. The pack burst forth from the vessel. A horde of black, white, and gray werewolves swarmed from the hatch and into the waiting personnel. Screams and gun blasts resounded as a single, hulking matriarch stepped forth from the craft. She watched her new children tear through the struggling men and women. The thing that was Jean pushed her great pawed foot firmly against the ground. Gordon, she thought, we're home.
0: Well, Alan, I have a lot to say about that. That was extraordinarily well written. It was so clever I loved the world you created. I loved the details of it all. That was really, really good.
1: Well, thank you. That's very kind.
0: It's how I feel.
1: Um, I can't take all the credit for this. Mm -hmm. I have to also give a shout out to my editor, Mm -hmm. Justin Joseph Chan, an amazing editor in every sense of the word.
0: Yeah. And there is no good stories without good editors.
1: You bet. He's an incredible writer. He's actually, I mean, he's written so many scripts. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he's actually in the works of a new feature. Cool. That I can't really disclose the details of. We would never ask you to. But it is, it's a real killer.
0: Oh. Ooh, do, do. Very cool. Well, regardless of the collaboration, it was very, very well done Thank and you. a really cool imagining of. I just love like the idea of sending werewolves to the moon, right?
1: Well, the what I was going for there was. They didn't know they were werewolves because they'd never seen the moon. Well, right, yeah. But they they could have been a werewolf their entire life.
0: Yeah, it's super smart. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, really, really well done.
1: And then, yeah, what if you, I just thought, what would it be like, so werewolves get their power Mm -hmm. from a full moon. Mm -hmm. What happens when you actually put them on the moon? Right. Wow.
0: The werewolves, there's a whole werewolf planet eventually. Werewolf planet. Within an hour. Planet, planet. Planet of the werewolves.
1: Ooh, that's cool.
0: Ooh. Love it, yeah. Well, you're the one who wrote it.
1: I mean, it's, it's yeah. Well, I want wonder... part
0: two. Planet of the Planet of the Werewolves. Planet of the Werewolves. Can't wait to read part two. Well, thank you so much for writing that. It is really awesome to have to have that thing. That's that you've the first made. thing
1: I've written for this podcast.
0: Yeah, and I it was so great. Thank you. Yeah, really awesome. Kind. No, I'm truly, truly, really impressed by that. That was really cool.
1: I, I also apologize for every staff personnel being mildly southern.
0: Yeah. <laughs> huh? whatever works so thank you all so much for listening look forward to next week's final installment of the third deep dive into a monster and then we have two really special episodes coming out for you the week of halloween so yeah lots of episodes on the way cool yeah you know october is like a special month for being spooky and there's a lot going on in the world and so we wanted to you know prepare some extra content and make right. people a little And
1: spooky things are perfect escapism during right. trying times yeah. as we discovered earlier in this very episode
0: exactly my thoughts exactly so anyway
1: so everyone gets spooky
0: get spooky please vote
1: but stop worrying all the time
0: so yeah as much as you can i know there's a lot of anxiety i think we're all feeling you don't a lot of you, things, you, but... you
1: don't have to be worried to be woke
0: okay but you probably will be
1: worried. Yeah, you probably are. Yeah. But you don't Which have to Which is okay. Be.
0: It's okay to be worried, but it's also okay to find some moments of joy too and to try to distract yourself a little bit.
1: hundred percent. Everyone's human. Yeah. Except those werewolves.
0: If you weren't worried, I would be worried, but that's fine. That's human. But let's, yeah, find some, Sorry, find you, some. You
1: don't need to experience crippling anxiety all the time.
0: Right. Yes. That's when maybe therapy is a good move for you mm-hmm. as it is for all of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess that's all I have to say. So follow us at the Lunatics Project on Instagram to be updated in all of the things that we do. And we love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to support the show and help us continue to bring you higher quality episodes, consider joining our Patreon. You'll get access to bonus videos, get our quarterly horror magazine automatically, and you'll be able to join our monthly group horror screenings on Netflix party, plus receive fun surprises in the mail.
1: The Netflix party is a lot of fun.
0: You've been enjoying
1: it. Immensely. The best part is, among all the Patreons, there's this big voting process. Yes. So everyone gets a say in what you watch. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always fun when you have a horse in the race. Mm -hmm. And then when you finally get there, being able to live chat with everybody else during the movie, especially when you're watching some kind of horror movie that you really don't want to be watching all by yourself... Yeah. It just makes it so much fun and you watch a lot of great movies.
0: Yeah, I really have been enjoying that. I think we'll continue that forever. It's been great. That's great. We are so appreciative of the Patreon community and all of the wonderful listeners and friends who helped fund this project. Click the link in the description of this episode for more info. Howdy, listeners. I'm Chris, the friendly neighborhood keeper from Untitled Dice Game, here to tell you about our actual play, Monster of the Week podcast. It features a group of hunters with strange talents who've been recruited by a secretive government agency to fight monsters. Each week, we release a new episode packed with improvised humor, horror, and enough bad decisions to derail a train. Find us at UntitledDiceGame.com or search us out wherever you listen to podcasts. ¶¶ Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club.
1: Also, head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel.
0: You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok, and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more.
1: And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there.
0: Our cover art is by Pilar Kep. And musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.